1: Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Wednesday, February 16th, and what a weekend it was for Virginia Tech Athletics. On episode 224 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll talk about huge wins for Virginia Tech men's basketball, Virginia Tech women's basketball, a great start to the season for Hokies softball, and another dual meet win for Hokies wrestling, making it three in a row. All of that and much more coming up on episode 224 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, It starts right now. Welcome into episode 224 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. However, you are listening, whether that's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you're watching archived or live on the YouTube page. If you are on our YouTube, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when we're going live with the podcast every week. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Mentioned Hokies Wrestling three straight dual wins to open up ACC play. Two more big ones coming up this weekend on the road against Virginia and NC State. You can help continue to grow the wrestling program and the Southeast Regional Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. Great crew on set today here for episode 224. Across the way, as always, founder and general manager Will Stewart. To my right, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline, Chris Coleman. In the fourth chair today, it's Katie Adams coming back after a week off last week. And then Malcolm Stewart, our greatest podcast producer in the land, as always behind the scenes, and I'm your host, Jake Lyman. If you are on our YouTube page, you might notice something different, Uh, a couple extra cameras uh, up today, some lighting changes as well, We'll, Will, continuing to elevate the production value of the podcast.
0: Yes, we have some, so Malcolm show, Chris, we have a little bit of lighting for Chris now, and we need some more more eye candy around Chris, Um, and... So instead of Will and Chris Cam, we now have Chris Cam and Will Cam separately. So So everybody's got their own camera now. Right, right. (laughs) Do crazy things.
1: Well, it's going to be a fun podcast today. Again, hasn't been much negative to talk about the last few weeks, and that's certainly the case this week. We're going to start in the first half with a lot of men's basketball talk, and we'll move on to women's softball and wrestling in the second half. But let's start with two big wins for Virginia Tech chris we've talked about this when the schedule was released. This was the stretch that you kind of pointed to three straight home games, Syracuse Virginia North Carolina, Hokies got off to a huge start with back to back wins over the weekend
2: yeah when when tech was ten and ten, everybody was expecting them to be to be ten and eleven after playing Florida State. Yep. It didn't work out that way. uh Tech beat Florida State, and then you looked after that, and you're like, man, there's a real opportunity to get back into the thick of things here if the Hokies play like we thought they were capable <laughs> of playing all year, and that's certainly what they've been doing. Um, and they haven't just beaten teams. You know, they're, they're beating teams. You know, they're not beating them by two points at the last second. Yep. You know, they're, they're controlling games uh, for the most part. Um, you know, the the UVA game was was closer than the final score indicated, but you know, for the most start, most part, Virginia Tech has really controlled all these games that they've played uh, since that Florida State game, and and as a result, you've seen their efficiency ratings go up. And as a result, their net ranking go up, and the net is heavily tied into efficiency ratings. I want to say last week on this podcast, we talked about how Tech was 116th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Well, now they're 80th. Wow. And that's a huge jump over over the course
1: of a week. And we talked about how computers love this Virginia Tech
0: team. (laughs) They still love them. (laughs) I
1: was looking at all the rankings last night. I couldn't believe it. 35th in the net. Nice. 28th in Kempom and ESPN's BPI 21st in the country for Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't be a bubble team probably, but yeah, I, and, I, I and the, do
0: not trust the selection committee. <laughs> I do not trust them. Well, uh, And then know you got to win more games. You got to win more games and, and
2: the the computer rankings aren't necessarily a reflection of your record. They're a reflection of how efficient you are and they should in, they they indicate how good you should be. Not necessarily how good you, you are. are. So, you know, at this point, you, you know, you, you can't sit here and say, based on the fact that Tech is 0-4 or 0-5, whatever, against quad one teams, you can't really say Tech is deserving of a spot right now. Right. I, I would uh, agree with that. But um, you, you know, they're capable. They're an NCAA tournament caliber team. That doesn't mean at the end of the day they will have done enough to make the NCAA tournament, though. And uh, But there's still plenty of time to play their way
0: in. So, so random comment while everybody else was watching Wake Forest and Duke last night, I was watching Texas A&M and Florida and I felt better about Virginia Tech basketball. That was an ugly, um, pretty boring game. It ended up, I think, 56, 55. uh, The fighting Buzz Williams has broke their eight game (laughs) losing streak or whatever it was. And the only reason they broke it was because Florida made a stupid play with 20 seconds left to go. They had a two-point lead, and they fouled the three-point shooter. So the kid makes all three free throws, and and Texas A&M wins by one. But it was ugly. Like, Florida had – and maybe you got to give credit to Buzz's team, but Florida had six points with eight minutes to go in the first half. And you contrast that with the Tech-UVA game. That, you know, the Castle crowd was great and all that, but just watch the basketball that was played Monday night. Both teams, that was exciting, basketball. Tech made some great plays. UVA, I'm sorry, made some great (laughs) plays also. And that was way prettier to watch than that Florida-Texas A&M mess I watched last night. And we're
1: going to talk about Bubble Watch 2022 later on. But that win for Texas A&M does help
0: Virginia Tech. Because Florida's kind of in that same range. At least according to Joe Lunardi,
1: right now Virginia Tech is the seventh team outside of the field. I believe Florida was the... Third entering Tuesday night's action, so uh, well, but
0: that horse is coming up fast on the outside. You yes, know, if they keep winning. Yes.
1: Uh, well, let, let's talk about uh, the Syracuse win first. We'll move on to the rivalry win over UVA. Uh, but Syracuse, I think the first thing you have to talk about Justin Mutz, uh, second triple double in program history: uh, twelve points, eleven assists, fourteen rebounds, and, and the first one Chris Clark did it against the Citadel. This was the, against a, an ACC caliber opponent,
2: and Chris Clark's. Uh, triple-double came down to Hadim C hitting like a 30-foot three-pointer <laughs> at the buzzer. So, really? So that was one of his wow. assists? Yeah, that was a, wow. it was the last play of the game, I believe. And, uh yeah, Hadim C, of all people, hit that 30-foot three-pointer and gave Chris Clark... Who is Clark, still playing college still
1: playing basketball. I was about college to say, <laughs> Hadim C was the one matched on up on Paolo Banquero driving to the rim at the buzzer last night.
2: That <laughs> was six
0: <laughs> years ago that Chris Clark did that and Hadim C is still, still playing play. college basketball.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but... uh so yeah, big difference in level of competition. Um, I think Mutz is—he's such a unique player, and his uniqueness made him a really good matchup against that Syracuse two-three zone. He's such a great distributor yeah. of, of of the ball, and uh, and you know he can score and rebound too. Um, so you know, the thing about assists—you got to have people knock down the shots.
0: Well, it's easier when they're dunking. You know? That's true. <laughs> well,
2: early on though, it was it was him throwing it out to Couture. On those three-pointers. Yep. So, yeah, Couture can, had three three-pointers. Yeah, boom, boom, so, boom. so you've got to uh, – everything has to come together to uh, get a triple-double, especially in college basketball. Yeah. On the pros, you got eight extra minutes, <laughs> and everybody you're passing to can shoot and score and everything right. like that. Um, yeah, that's
0: a good point. It's a 40-minute game. A triple-double in a 40-minute game is Yeah, you just
2: don't see too many triple-doubles in college basketball because it not only is it a shorter game, but, you know, for the most part, like not everybody on the team is going to be able to shoot in college that's not necessarily the case for Virginia Tech where everybody yeah. on the team can shoot, yeah. but, you know, in the NBA you got more time and you're passing to NBA-level players who are going to drain open jumpers like, yeah.
1: like crazy. I, I do have to say I saw over the weekend another triple-double. Uh, I don't know if you remember Walker Kessler, seven-footer. He was with North Carolina last year. So that's a
0: name we were trying to remember yesterday. We were sitting around the office trying to remember the guy who transferred away from UNC, yes. right? and he's yeah.
1: at Auburn now, uh, <laughs> and I, want, I forget who they were playing, but he had a triple-double, not with assists, but with blocks. He had 12 blocks in the game. So I was going to
0: say, back in back in the day when guys like Ralph Sampson played four years in college, it, it was more common for the triple-double with double-digit blocks yeah, to happen.
2: Now, no, I will say, um, technically speaking, this is Virginia Tech's third triple-double. Okay. I remember a game where Bryant Matthews had
0: double digit points,
2: rebounds, and
0: turnovers. (laughs) (laughs) I used to call Bryant Matthews until he was a senior. I called him the human turnover. Uh, That was a Ricky Soaks coach team.
2: And then Seth Greenberg started coaching and all of a sudden he quit turning the ball over. Did he win Big East Player of the Year as a senior? No, because Amika Okafer was playing for UConn at the time. Because nobody knew he was gonna win it, but but he was awesome that year, a dominant player.
1: And, Justin Mutz, you mentioned turnovers. Uh, it had been an issue earlier on in the season. He had a game with eight turnovers just a few weeks ago. It seems like he started to clean that up, and it's not becoming – it's either a great pass or a terrible pass. It's yeah. usually good passes that he's been Yeah,
2: doing and he seems to have improved on that. And, but the thing about Mutz is uh, when you've got a guy who's willing to thread the needle like that, you got to accept the fact There's that a sometimes it's not going to gonna work. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah.
0: So I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not very good at in game awareness slash analysis. I see things more emotionally. So what I was seeing with Mutz was, um, an, an unwillingness to shoot in the middle of that zone. So I was kind of stressing about that. And later he, he, he took a couple missed them later on. He made an important one. Um, but that's kind of what I was focused on. So when they came on and said he had a triple double, I was like, "Well, I wasn't paying attention to the right <laughs> stuff." You know, I was thinking, "Oh, Justin Bibbs, when they put him in the middle of that zone, could turn and make that shot, which is a very difficult shot—that mid-range shot for for modern basketball players." I will say, you know, I just finished watching The Last Dance, and Muts.
2: I saw somebody on our board compare. He's say like Muts is our Dennis Rodman. No, Muts is our Scottie Pippen. Because he's of assists. I mean, Scotty Pippen was like the first point forward. You know, there yeah. were years where he led the Bulls in assists. Yeah, And uh, so that, and Pippen was a three and Mutz is a four. So it's a little bit different. But, uh, you know, Mutz is a guy who can really, really distribute. And uh, that's, it's, it's so valuable. Like in, in Virginia Tech's system, you don't, it's not automatically going to be, you're thinking 80s, 90s. Love era basketball when you automatically think the point guard is going to lead the team in assists. And that's not necessarily the case these days because forwards are a lot more skilled. I'd be interested to know Mutt's story because, like, Scotty Pippen went to Central Arkansas and as a freshman, he was a 6 1 point guard. Interesting. And then he grew six inches throughout the rest of his career, yeah. and had to make the transition to small forward, and was a first round pick. But he retained those passing skills that he had when he was a point guard, and a lot of those years he was the Bulls' leader in assists.
0: So speaking of Mutz, when he was at Delaware, um, I, he put something up on his Instagram story the other day. He put up two clips of him making the Sports Center top ten when he played at Delaware. Hmm. Wow! So it wasn't like the the guy just came out of nowhere apparently at Delaware he was he was making some highlight plays
1: he made one on it on Saturday night as well uh, usually when you get a triple-double points is not the last thing to come but it right. was for him yeah, yeah. and he got the alley-oop at the very end uh, and I want to say couture uh, well I want to say it was Mike Monaco on the broadcast said that's the way you get a triple-double uh, yeah. w- which was kind of cool yeah. um, want to talk defense uh, as well in that game Chris you said how the defensive efficiency went way up this week. A lot of that has to do with playing Syracuse the way they did. Syracuse was averaging 87 points per game over their previous four wins entering Saturday night, scored just 59 points against the Hokies uh, in Castle Coliseum, 37 of which came from Buddy Boeheim and yeah. Joe Gerrard.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah good it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what Syracuse looks like without any Bayheims. <laughs> I expect the Beheim on the sideline will ride off into the sunset at that point point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually started seeing obviously I was reading through the the Syracuse social media post at the end of the game to look at all the comments tech fans, all the gifs tech fans <laughs> leave and everything like that but I, buried in there was Syracuse fans talking about how Jim Beheim's holding him hostage and he needs to go. Um, yes. But anyway back, back to your point um, I thought Mike Young made a great adjustment late in that game against Syracuse. You don't necessarily need a, you know a true point guard on the court because they're not going to press you, and they run that specific defensive yep. system, and their 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 guards are and wings are, are so tall. Like like Beheim's a really good player. He's a tough matchup because he like he looks more like a tight end, but he's like a, <laughs> a, a shooting guard. You, you know. Yeah. So once they once they made that adjustment and they took both. Uh, Storm Murphy, and Sean Batula off the court and just put in bigger guards. I think Syracuse went like four or five minutes without scoring. I think that was a tie game at 54, and then you look up and text up by like eight or ten points, yeah. and I'm like, Syracuse hasn't scored since we made that
0: lineup yep. adjustment. Yeah, and and also looking at their lineup, uh, they were missing a starter. Yes. And they, they have five guys go- going into that game, they have five guys that average over 12 points a game, which is really remarkable. But that's because they had three backups who played very few minutes. It's, and then you remove one of the starters. And I wonder if part of – like, Bayheim was shooting great early in the game. I wonder if part of it just got to be fatigue at the end of the it, game. It's, I think it's a little easier to, to play more minutes
2: when you play in the, a two-three zone game. on that's defense. Right. That's because right. you're that's not chasing point. guys across the yeah. court, off screens and everything like that. Um, so it's not necessary – or not as necessary for Syracuse to have as much depth as some other teams. But that's kind of become a recurring theme for Syracuse basketball, I think, in the last few years is they lack depth. Each one of their teams seems to lack depth. And that goes back to, like, I just don't think Beheim's is active on the recruiting trail. That's right. That's as, a coach
0: that be. is in, you know, Buzz did the same thing when he was here. He recruited like crazy his first year or two and then just added one guy a year and, you know. Right. And, well, two different know, things. Buzz is a lot younger and more energetic.
2: Yeah, Buzz made has made some – errors with his assistant coaching staff in my opinion and he's he keeps but stop me if you've heard this before and i don't want to turn this into the buzz williams podcast but uh he's too loyal to to people within his inner circle like uh to two of his three assistants at texas a&m he's promoted from like Grad assistant of Ops and position, greatest, yeah. yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, they had absolutely no coaching experience or recruiting experience before he
0: promoted them. Yeah, it was interesting watching them last night. They, he's three years into it now, correct. Mm-hmm. And and by the time he was three years into it, Tech Tech was a pretty good basketball. Well, they team. They were in the NCAA tournament. And A and M just really didn't look that good to me last night. Right. So. It's yeah,
2: yeah. They lost a lot of players after I guess his first year, and. When he was he was SEC Coach of the Year that year, and for whatever reason, lost a bunch of players, and so now they've it's like they're having to rebuild all over again. Yeah. And uh, I think he's, I think he's just he, he got Rockaforte back as an assistant, but he needs yeah. to uh, he needs at least one more high quality assistant in there who's used to recruiting. But anyway, now for those was. of
0: you that pay attention to this stuff, he was wearing a suit last night, and he could have been coaching anybody. It was there was no maroon, no Texas A and M logos, nothing. Yeah. So he's still Buzz Williams. Anyway, let's move on.
1: Well, before we move on
0: from Syracuse, I want to
1: mention you were talking about the bench not being very involved. Just two bench points for the Orange on yeah, Saturday, yeah. so it was pretty much Beheim and Gerard making shots on the perimeter or nobody.
0: Yeah, Beheim and, and Gerard are really good players.
1: They're great. They they had that stretch that kind of got Syracuse back in the game, yeah. uh, and but then Tech able to pull away, got that win. That was their fifth in a row, and we're gonna move on to the Virginia win, but. We want to try something new here. Uh, Will's got some questions from the boards. Uh, Let's throw one in here before we talk some UVA.
0: Let's see. Um, I like this question. This is not relevant to stuff that happened in the last week, but Nova Hockey 95 asked on our message board, true or false, we, Virginia Tech, seem to match up better against teams that are teams, in quotes, (laughs) versus teams that are more a collection of athletes. That's a good question. Like. That's what well, it looks
2: let, like. Let's look at the teams that we've beaten in our six-game winning streak. Florida State's a collection of athletes.
0: Yes. Yeah. They were, uh, they were missing.
2: Yeah, and they're struggling right, right now. Right. No. I, I would uh, I would classify them more in the collection of athletes than I would team. Because yes. they don't have all their pieces.
0: But, but that game was funny because it wasn't like they lost a guard, a forward, and a center. They they had a bunch of big guys. They still out there had four that, seven footers out there. that literally <laughs> couldn't stop Hunter Couture. You know, uh, it was hilarious to watch one of their seven footers try to co- cover Hunter Couture. Right. Um, I don't consider teams like Georgia Tech or Pitt to be anything. Well, yeah, what are they? <laughs> I mean, they're poorly coached they're, and they're, they're not that whore. athletic. Yeah, I mean, I so
2: like they're not. They don't play team basketball. At least they don't show any. Yeah. They don't show the ability to pick up team concept basketball and. Really, between those two teams, there's like one player I would take on Tech's team. So Devo, right? Yeah, right. So they don't have, they lack individual talent, and they don't play like a team either. So I don't know what so I can. can really draw Bad that. teams, you know, just they're just bad.
0: Well, well, I I go back to earlier in the year when Tech played Memphis, and that was jarring. And right. Memphis is not a good team. They're right. a tremendous collection of athletes. And then you fast-forward, I don't know how many games after that, and you play St. Bonaventure, which is um, the difference in a team like St. Bonaventure and a team like Mem- Memphis was pretty stark. St. Bonaventure did not have the out-and-out athletes. Mm-hmm. They also played poorly that night, and Tech just beat the pants They're off. Quiet, yeah. So I think that's the best example in the context of this season. And, and Navy also. I think at the time Navy had beaten Virginia, I don't know how the rest of their season has yep. gone. Um, I'd put them more in the team category, and Tech beat them hand away.
2: Um UVA, obviously, more in the team category. Yeah. Syracuse as well. Syracuse as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he could, could be something to that. Um, we'll see. I got, well, we're going to be playing. I would say a more, collection of, a athletes, collection of athletes on Saturday. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Baycott is definitely now Baycott. I think has improved a lot in his career, but he's he's definitely a guy that. Is a beast and, and is athletic.
1: Well, North Carolina playing well right now. Uh, they scored twenty four of the first twenty five points against Florida State on Saturday. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that game. Florida, Florida
2: State, what a mess! Whew. They won last night, though, right? They they beat somebody. They beat Clemson. Uh, uh, beat Clemson yes, by points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they snapped their six game losing.
1: <laughs> North Carolina was up sixty two to twenty four at halftime in that game. Yeah. I, it's
2: like you don't even I don't even know how it's possible to give up sixty two points in twenty minutes of basketball. <laughs> You gotta try. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, or to be more accurate, you have to not try. Not I mean, try. I mean, defense is effort, man. So that shows, like, they got off to a bad start and they just quit. To so mailed it in, yeah.
0: Um, but you know, you say that Carolina is hot, but uh, you know, Syracuse had won four in a row. UVA had won four or five in a row, and, and Carolina hasn't
1: been great away from North Carolina. Much Havino. better. Uh, in the Dean Smith Center the, yeah. than they are on the road. So,
0: so anyway, appreciate that question from Nova Hokie ninety five like that one.
1: Well, and we'll talk about beating teams that play team basketball and Virginia, the Hokies on Valentine's Day beating uh, UVA a huge win. Considering at least according to Joe Lunardi and a few other outlets, Virginia was a little bit ahead of Virginia Tech on the bubble. Seems like they flip flopped after the Hokies uh, beat them by nine
2: on Monday it's, night. It's an interesting comparison because like UVA has by far the best win of either team. Yes, because they won it, Duke. That Duke yeah. Tech doesn't have a quadrant one win, and uh,
1: they also have the two clearly bad losses. Right. among the two, yeah, as well. exactly.
2: So, how do you balance that out if if you're committee, if you're the committee? T- so, to me, like I think both teams have very, very similar resumes. Um, I, I think both teams are very similar. I actually, I think Tech is a little bit better than
0: UVA. Um, up and down the roster.
2: Yeah, I think Tech is a little bit better. Um, I think Tech Tech could have swept him. I mean, that came down to the last shot, and Tech missed two open three-pointers at the end. And if that had been the case... In, then, Charlottesville, in Charlottesville, to be yeah. clear. So if, Tech, if one of those shots had gone in, Tech would have won their last three
1: against UVA. That's right. Cause they, because they beat them in Blacksburg last year. Yeah. And before we talk about the play on the floor, we got to talk about the atmosphere on Monday night. That was a conversation we had on last week's podcast that Castle just hasn't seemed to be the same this year as it had in the last few years. That was not the case on Monday night. You, Phenomenal yeah, uh, oh man, You're
0: was, right. We, we talked about it last week, and you could see it coming. Oh, it, was, it was sold out. They lifted the restrictions. It was great
2: yeah. timing to lift the restrictions because three big home games that everybody was really interested in
0: going to. Yep. And... So yeah, great atmosphere in there, really loud. And apparently, t- UNC tickets on StubHub are a couple hundred bucks. Two hundred fifty bucks, and- I
1: think, for nosebleeds. Wow, really? Yeah, I-, I think that's what they're going for right now. Anybody got an extra ticket? Well, we're we're, <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> Well, and, and Will, speaking of the atmosphere, you had a, a tweet go viral uh, over the week, or excuse me, over the last few days uh, of the student section singing to enter Sandman.
0: Uh, I have missed so many opportunities at, at basketball games to take a good video. So I took a video that was a minute and 17 seconds long, and it... it. Uh, Started before the tip. It was, uh, they were doing the whole entertainment thing, and and the music was playing before the tip, of course. Then when they tip off, they cut off the music, and the students do the rest of it a cappella. I sent all one minute and 17 seconds to Twitter. It kept, fortunately, the last 47 seconds. It cut off, uh, you know, the first 30. So you get the a cappella singing, and then... God bless Keve Aluma for, you know, <laughs> after the all the singing is over and that cheer ends, Keve Aluma hits a turnaround jumper and, and it just... It, it was, wouldn't have been the same if he'd missed the shot. I know, yeah. you know, and, and but it but it was awesome. And yeah, it kind of took off and got a life of I it's was, own.
1: I was saying, I think last night I checked, it was at 25,000 views or something like that. Something like that. I could, retweets. I could
0: uh, where'd my phone go? I could pull it up. It, it was, oh gosh, it, it's had 160,000 impressions. Wow. No uh, new followers though. <laughs> but you know, we, we talked about that on Twitter. That part of the analytics is broken. Wow, uh, Damian, Salas, and Izzy Post piled in and said, "Yeah, that that always." Oh is yeah, call
1: Patel into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and David just informed me tickets not quite as high as I thought. 170 is the cheapest ticket on StubHub. But wow. Still, still a lot. That's a bunch of UNC
2: fans, by the way. Yeah, UNC it, fans always show up and force on the road.
0: And and I so. went looking, and, and that was a. I just got derailed. That was a huge shock when Tech entered the ACC. Tech had been uh, in—I mean, the Metro Metro fans didn't travel to uh, Blacksburg. That was a pretty spread-out conference. Atlantic 10, forget it. Big East, forget it. And then you go into the ACC, and Virginia Tech's very first ACC game at home was against North Carolina and i swear it was 30% tar heel fans at least
2: sure i mean it's it's the opposite of football like when tech goes and plays at unc yeah there's uh a... it might as well be a home game <laughs> right right um, and, then, and
0: and and then, so of course tech basketball had been so bad for so long yeah. that a lot of fans around here had grown up duke fans and unc fans and this persisted for years where there was a good when duke and, and of course jj redick you know was was playing i don't remember what time frame he was playing but he, can't, he grew up in Roanoke, so there were a lot of Duke fans and, and finally that's mostly ironed itself out, but you will see a lot of baby blue on and Saturday. they're willing
2: to pay a lot of
0: money for tickets. I mean I,
2: you know back David covers games for us now, but when I covered games, after a UNC game, even after you know like tech would beat UNC, the UNC fans just pile outside the Carolina buses outside castle to take pictures with players. Yeah. and, and you, I mean they even come down into the hallways in castle, like inside the building. Like, there's nobody to stop them, so they just go in so they can just, oh, here comes this guy walking by. Everybody takes his picture, you know, and everything like that. Wow. It's, 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 it's very uh, – It's different. It's different. I mean, they love their basketball program. So, yeah, 170 bucks for StubHub. I mean, if, if you're a local Carolina fan, which there are plenty around here. I mean, there, I mean, I grew up in Danville. There were more Carolina fans than Virginia Tech fans. Yeah. So, um, but they, they don't get a chance to see their team play because they can't – I guess the Dean Domes, you know, it's a, it's a hike for them if you're around here, yeah. but yeah, you're going to dish out 170 bucks because that, that's your one time
1: to, to see him play. Should be a good atmosphere. I w- you would assume student section going to show out in full, yes. full, full force once again, 4 PM tip on Saturday, before we move on from the atmosphere on Monday, I just want to touch on the Kihei Clark, uh, Airball. Oh. I mean, he missed the he missed the airball. What two minutes it into was the game, very early, early and then him. he didn't hit a shot until there was thirty seconds left.
2: Yeah, so that's that's the part of that game we really need to talk about is the job Storm Murphy and Sean Padula did yes. on him. He was 0 of seven until the last minute of the game. Right until the last minute of the game, and it was funny. Uh, at one point in the second half, I told Will, I guess it was, it was probably like twelve minutes left. I looked up and I saw at that point that he hadn't scored. I knew he hadn't done much, but I, I didn't know that he hadn't scored yet. And, like, at that point, like, it was a really close game. And I told Well, I was like, man, can't help but feel this way. That guy. Kihei Clark's <laughs> going to score three points, and they're going to be at the last second, and yeah. the NBA's going to win. Fortunately, that didn't happen.
0: Oh, Oh, and, and it's funny that he said that to me because I had told Malcolm probably right around the same time. <laughs> I was like Malcolm. You watch that guy. With five seconds left to go, he's going to make a three pointer, <laughs> and he didn't. The whole team didn't make any three pointers. We're so positive. <laughs> well, was he just...
3: the one that made that shot to beat Duke, or was it a different player? No, was, that, that
2: was a different that player. Was yeah, that was Clark big.
0: did make one at uh, the end of the
2: game to beat Tech, 2019. Yeah, in Mike Young's first year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. yeah that, and then Radford went to the other end and almost uh, yes. tied it at the, at the buzzer. Yes.
0: But it was a was it a Clark layup that wound up sitting on the back of the rim? I, I, it think, might have been I think I think he got down the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kye Clark's been there a while now. He's uh, part of their national yeah.
0: championship team. Yes, he, he was, he was yeah. the
1: one who made the pass in the final four right. uh, to beat Auburn. I I want to say, uh, to the Elite Eight to beat Purdue. Yeah, uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kye Clark heckling uh, well, was fun for the students. Uh, Tony Bennett was asked about it after the game. He said he didn't notice it, but he said if if you don't right. want the students to do that, don't shoot an air ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: Uh, the big difference, like, I remember when I was a student and Tech played Wake Forest, and Chris Paul only scored three points. Wow. And the students were all over him. And, like, he made eye contact with the student section a, a couple times. And then it was on. He wasn't yeah. a veteran NBA player like he is now, but it did rattle him to a certain extent. You know, he finished the game with three points. Yeah. Uh, problem is, Wake Forest had a ton of good players, and Tech still lost by
1: 20. <laughs> so they didn't even need uh, Chris Paul to uh, to score. Crazy to think he, he put up 17 and 14 last night. Still going at 38, 39, something That's like crazy. that. Wow. Um, and a lot of praise for the atmosphere from ESPN. Dave or Dan Schulman on the call uh, said it was one of the loudest places he'd been all year. Uh, we mentioned Keve Aluma. He had a nice night against Syracuse, was huge against Virginia No other Hokie made more than two shots from the field. So I
0: was going to mention that back to what I said earlier about kind of seeing things emotionally. What I saw through that filter was the entire Virginia Tech team playing well. I didn't realize that he was 10 of 14 and nobody else made more than two shots. It didn't feel that way. It felt like the entire team contributed to the win.
1: And we talked about
0: earlier in the season about how
1: he kind of wasn't living up to the first-team All-ACC billing that he was given entering the season, second in ACC Preseason Player of the Year voting. It seems like he's finally started to to come yeah. through, and, and I believe somebody on the message boards may have had a, a good question
0: about this. Yeah, so here's a question from Maroon Effect. Um, Keve's badass light went on. How and why now? Uh, you know, that's interesting. David actually asked the question
2: in the, in the post game the other night. It was the first question about, And Mike Young responded – you asked it about the team. but
4: I asked
2: about defense on guard. Okay, yeah. Uh, And Mike Young just started talking in generalities about playing with more of an edge. And the whole team, I think, is playing tougher, more physical, with more of an edge now than they were earlier in the season. And I think that especially applies to to Kev Aluma. Uh, Why that wasn't happening earlier, I don't know.
0: So it, it, it makes me think of a couple things. Number one, I think it was the Syracuse game. It was a little dicey late. It may have been UVA, and he got hit with a good pass on the baseline, and it's a situation where he has at times gone up soft against mm-hmm. the defense, but he powered up and dunked it. Uh, against UVA, you know he wasn't messing around. No, he, he was no. he was just going up and dunking. It was no, it was no yeah. <laughs> let me do a head fake and see what happens. I mean, he just went straight up with it. So we'll we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but it also makes me think of that Justin Robinson game against Syracuse, which yes. we've talked about before. Yes, and Justin was a was a was a senior, and this was halfway or two thirds through halfway through his senior year. And I remember thinking, watching him that night, thinking, "Uh oh, it's on now." Yeah, yeah. And then he got hurt. Like, yeah, he got let's hurt. knock
1: on wood yeah. here that that's not like that game. In, right? Yeah, able, yeah, now,
0: about that. And I, I actually wanted to make this point
2: too. It's getting to be a lot of fun to play Syracuse in Castle Coliseum because you're seeing some great. I mean, Tech is beating them in Castle, but you're also seeing great individual performances. So you saw Justin Robinson break the career assist record and the the single game three point record that night yeah. in the same game against what an Syracuse. Night. And now you see a triple double against Syracuse. Yeah. So maybe now we're, we're maybe now we're
1: seeing uh, why Jim Beheim never wanted to bring his team to Castle. <laughs> I in doubt he's the having a good days. time. That's right. <laughs> I wanted to talk about with these two wins, uh, how the first four games of the win streak, it felt like it was a lot about shooting from beyond the arc. It was, well, Tech's hot right now, but there was kind of a little hesitation. What if they go cold? Mm. Well, that happened this week. They shot yeah. thirteen of forty-seven from three-point range and still In won the
2: two both games, games combined. Yeah, yes. right. Wow. And you know, it seemed especially cold for large stretches against UVA. I think that for the most part, except for possession here or there, they got good looks against UVA. They actually they ran their offense like they. Wanted to. They could have scored over seventy against that group if on a normal shooting night. If they hit shots, right? You know, which would be a very good performance against the pack line. And UVA is not nearly as good defensively as they normally are, but still. Um, so yeah, and I, that goes hand in hand with improving defensively. Like I said over the last week, they've gone from 116th to 80th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So yeah, they're just starting to play better team basketball in general. And, you know, and it, it's one thing to go out there and you know hammer. Georgia Tech and Pitt who are just awful basketball teams but uh, Syracuse isn't they're not good but they're not awful either and you know um, yep. and UVA is above average um, they're, they're not they're not nearly as good as they normally are but they, you know they're still a solid team. so to see to see those performances carry over, you're like yeah, we're supposed to blow out Pitt we're supposed to blow out Georgia Tech. But what are we going to do when somebody hits back? And Syracuse and UVA are much more
1: capable of hitting back, and Tech was still able to handle it. And Hokies, again, 5 of 20 from three-point range against Virginia. You would think in most games when you shoot 25% from three-point range, Tech's not going to win the game, but they ended up winning by nine. Also helps Virginia didn't hit a three-pointer in the game as well. Yeah. Yeah,
0: did 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 UVA play any games in between their win at Duke and playing Virginia Tech? They
2: played Georgia Tech this past weekend and and beat them by six. Didn't it wasn't? You should beat Georgia Tech by more than six. This is not a dominant (laughs) UVA team, not by any stretch. To be honest with you, I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle against Duke. I mean, UVA is not that good of; a they're above average, but they have no business beating Duke on the road. No, No ACC team this year has any business beating Duke on the road. Wake Forest
1: almost did it last they night. They almost too. did it last night,
2: uh, so what, which actually makes me wonder like, yeah, Duke's far and away the best team in the ACC, but since the ACC is not very good, how good is Duke actually?
0: Yeah, so uh, now regarding Duke, um, I don't think you need to worry about Duke. Uh, on, I was looking at Instagram last night and On3 had a listing of, it's their ranking of the um, top 10 basketball recruits in the 2023 class. Duke's got three of the top four wow. and the number 10 guy <laughs> yeah. coming in, according to well, on three. I well, don't know.
2: So, so what happened with Coach K last night?
0: He
3: left at he was uh, feeling uh, Ill. halftime. Okay. Half-time. Um, well, I got some inside scoop because my sister works right. at Duke Sweet. for Coach K's daughter. Um, she just said that he basically hadn't eaten all day. And so he like was about to pass out.
0: He hadn't eaten night. all day. Yeah. Why? Uh,
3: good question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: forgot. I, I forgot. I can tell you he, he's a lot older than I am. I'm 57. And so my my sensation of this is at the gym, going to work out at the gym. There are days where you got it and days where you don't. There are days where if you're deadlifting, the head rush is a real thing. you know. And, and so when you're his age, if you don't eat,
1: man. High stress situation, too. Yeah.
2: Well, look, so he
0: left at halftime. Yes. They were winning
2: at halftime. They were up by, I want to say, 12 at halftime. So you can talk about recruiting class rankings all you want. They were up by 12 at halftime and then almost lose the game. Wow.
1: And for those watching that game, who was coaching them next year said coach. And for those watching, I, I have to believe that was basket interference. I don't know if you guys saw it. I, it looked like Wendell Moore tipped it over the cylinder before Mark Williams slammed it down. I digress. That's probably basket interference outside of uh, uh, Cameron (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) door, but let's talk uh, about the bubble watch. Everybody wants to know, and there's a a question if, if you want to have them ask, uh, what percentage chance do you think Tech has of making the tournament right yeah,
0: now? Yeah, so that's Gretna Hokie. What, what percentage chance do you give the Hokies to make the NCAA men's tourney? And he's got another question we'll ask uh, in a second. In it's
2: second. so hard to know because I'd, ha- I'd have to go in and look at the schedules of every other bubble team. And I, that's – so it's hard for me to wrap my head around.
1: I want to say, will last week
2: we had. I said ten to twenty. percent ten to twenty
0: last week. Um, I'm so you're
2: feeling taking it up better. Twenty five
0: to forty percent now. Twenty five to thirty five. I'm feeling better. And I also read, uh, you know, GC Hokie thirty four, who he uh, studies us a lot closer than uh, us. Yeah, and he, he he is a a very he's the very level headed voice of reason. So the discussion was how many does Virginia Tech need to win? Uh, that's that's a and this that's is a, a, a tough one. Keep in task. mind, GC Hokie 34 is a former college basketball yeah, coach. And, and, so and least, it's it's a very basic discussion to ask how many games do you have to win? Well, it depends on what games they are. And it depends what on the whatever the bubble it, does. You know, I mean, what happens on, in the conference tournament? Does some
2: bubble team run off a bunch of wins in a row and win a league and, and push yeah. one of those top teams back to the bubble? Right. Uh, but, it'd, but, it'd, be, but his, it'd, be, it'd be beneficial for a tackle if, if like all the other bubble teams get knocked out in their first, first game, game in the conference tournament. But you can't You can't, again, project, you can't that. project
0: that. How do you project that? So he his summary of it was he said I I I've I read this line as well. He said I've been saying all along that 19 wins will get Virginia Tech in. And the other part of the discussion I remember was when you when you're on the bubble, you tend to. Um, your fear is that all the other bubble teams are going to win all their games, and that's ridiculous. They're not going to. Like what? There's happened a to reason Florida they're on last...
2: the bubble. Florida State was in the tournament three weeks, three weeks ago. They were, they were top of the ACC standings, eight, eight seed, right? Then they lost six wow. in a row, wow. and they're not even in the discussion anymore. No. no, and Virginia Tech wasn't in the discussion three weeks ago. Now they're in the discussion because they've won six in a row. So there's still five regular season games left plus the tournament. A lot can change between now and
0: then. So I've I've upgraded to twenty five to thirty five percent, but you got to keep winning. And and of course, you know, Captain, obvious reporting for duty. Saturday's game is huge.
1: And again, ESPN's Joe Lunardi has the Hokies in the next four out right now would be the seventh team outside of the field. Still some work to do. Uh, Five more games to go plus the tournament. Three more wins doesn't seem like—if you go three and two and go one and done the tournament, that's 19 wins. I, I would feel like that wouldn't be enough for Virginia Tech. And that's
0: where the lack of trust in the selection committee comes in, and you're like, nah. Well, like, Carolina's kind of floating around. <coughs> I don't know what their numbers are, Look, but, if, they if win, if, if, but, but they don't have Q1 wins either. But but
2: they're going to win, like, 22 or 23 games overall. Though. And well, well, they're North Carolina. Against, against a tougher schedule. Their overall strength of schedule is higher yeah. than Virginia yes, Tech. Yes, that's uh, correct. If Virginia Tech wins 19 games with no quadrant one wins, can you honestly take off your orange and maroon glasses? Can you honestly say they deserve to be in the NCAA? <laughs> I don't think so. so no. no. Right. Yeah.
1: If I had to say right now, I think Tech probably needs to go four and one in the last five and win two in the turn in the tournament. I think that makes you feel good about them getting in. They've oh, I a, feel good about it. Though, yeah. They've got a chance in some other scenarios, but again, North Carolina on Saturday—that's a big one in Castle Coliseum, 4 p.m. Uh, Tech has not fared well against the Tar Heels the last few times they've played them, including uh, each of the last two ACC tournaments. So it's going to be an important one. On I just Saturday.
2: have the, like I have this fear of like like Leaky Black can't shoot. Right. He, like and, the, and this is an example of how like UNC is dropped off of as a program. Leaky Black starts for them. He doesn't start for your normal UNC team that you and I think about, not yeah. even close. I can't make a jump shot. So we never guard him because he can't shoot. I mean, he always he seems to make them against us, right? Yeah. He certainly made three big ones last game. I mean, it's the right strategy. So to me, I'm going to be watching Leaky Black. Like if he misses his first shot against us when we leave him wide open, <laughs> feel good. I'm going to start feeling good about <laughs> it. All right. All right.
1: Well, UNC currently, according to David Cunningham, just let me know. According to Joe Lunardi, they are on the 10 line. I want to say they might even be in the last four buys. So could be another important one. Yeah, you're right. They're our last four. Just like Tech beating UVA kind of flip-flopping, maybe Tech beating UNC slides them back and Tech up a little bit. Hmm. Uh, Going to be an important one on Saturday. Uh, With that, let's get into our break. But first, I want to talk to Katie Adams in the fourth chair.
3: Yeah, so I have a couple tidbits and then a fun question for y'all to answer. First thing, one of UVA's weaknesses in the matchup on Monday was their lack of three-pointers because they shot absolutely none. Um, so that was the first time since March 1st, 2012 against Clemson that a Hokies opponent did not score a single three-pointer. So wow. let's hope that UNC follows suit. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that that's a couple of kind of remarkable things that have happened. Um Pitt didn't have any offensive rebounds except for the team rebound at the end. They didn't end. have any individual offensive yes. Right, individual offensive rebounds. That's since 2007. This is since 2012 for that stat. So, told you I love those statistical anomalies. <laughs> With a triple-double in between. Yeah. We're yeah. yeah. getting a few back-to-back-to-back.
3: Um, and then we have another opportunity to extend our ACC win streak in program history if we win this week. So, you know, as most people know, we're currently tied for the longest ACC win streak in program history – Last time we won six in a row in ACC play was that 2015-2016 season. Lost the seventh game to Miami in the ACC tournament in DC, 88 to 82. So thankfully we're at home for a chance to extend that streak. But you know, the so so
0: let me jump in here. And ask yeah, what, what year was that again?
3: 20. It was the 2015-2016 season. So I guess it had rolled over to 2016 that
0: the N- by N- that. That was the NIT season. That was was that j yes, Rob's cause freshman Because we lost to year? Butler yes. like
3: right after that.
0: Yeah, that that team really came on at the end. At the end. Yeah. yeah. So you knew they run. were
2: going to be good heading into the next year. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay.
3: Um and then moving on to UNC, obviously not an opponent to gloss over, but just wanted to point out that they have not won in Castle in 6 years. The last time they did was in 2016, but the last time they played here was that 79 to 77 double overtime win in Castle in No, 2020.
1: Mike Young's first year. Yes. I think. Wow. I, didn't know, I wouldn't have thought that Tech had won that many in a row inside Castle Coliseum. Yeah.
2: Tech's uh, record in Castle, dating back to the you know buzz, is quite good. I mean, how many yeah. wins in a row do they run off against Duke in Castle? A bunch. And so and Duke, Duke, uh, Duke finally, I think they, they won in Castle in Mike Young's first year. Yes. Right. But then Tech came back and beat them in Castle last year. So I want to say Tech has won four out of the last five or five out of the last six against Duke well, at home.
1: Wasn't it? It was three years in a row Tech beat Duke in Castle on the exact same day. Uh, sometime in mid-February, like right around this time, they played Duke in Castle on the same day and beat them three years in a row.
2: Yeah, you're right. And Mike Young said on his postgame the other night, he said several ACC coaches have told him that Castle's the most difficult place to win.
0: Yes. Um, the The crowd's leading up until the last couple of games have, have not been great, but man, but when you what you there. can understand why. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh I think tech has a good chance to win on
2: Saturday. Yes. And they'll be 17 and 10. So
0: Carolina's gonna have to
2: earn it. Yeah they'll yeah. have to earn it. I agree. Yeah. Um and then I think tech will win on Saturday. So just after that, if I'm right, don't blow it against georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Like you said with beating Duke on that same day every year, it's kind of like Tech's tech football's luck with the september 3rd date which is when we beat Ford state west virginia unc mm. there's another one in there i'm pretty sure but a good date for the football team um on to the fun question so moving forward talking about the most likable virginia tech men's basketball players of all time i feel like it's hard to leave out justin mutts um yes. for as long as i can remember zach leday has been my favorite player for as long as time and i think like Justin Muth is probably rivaling that right about now. So I wanted to ask what y'all's top three favorite basketball players of all time are.
2: Favorite or like likable?
3: I, n- I don't know. what standard. <laughs> like, I guess I would just say favorite.
0: Jamon Gordon. Jamon is up there. Uh, yeah. Justin Robinson.
2: <sighs> oh, Going way back, Jimmy Carruth. If uh, Tyrese Radford had stayed, he'd be
1: my number three. <laughs> yeah. It's really disappointing for me. I, I grew up with Malcolm Delaney. Uh, yeah. I loved watching him play. Eric Green as well uh, was fantastic.
0: Don't sl- don't sleep on Seth Allen, man. Seth, Seth Allen, Allen was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, re- I remember when uh, Seth Allen and Zach Lede transferred in and they both had to sit out a year. Um, uh, somebody gave me tickets basically behind the tech bench, a lot of tickets. So I got to sit behind the bench a lot that year. And those two guys on the bench, just the energy that, that they projected was very positive. And I tell this story all the time. Seth Allen's dad um, used to sit like around the corner, um, sort of near where the, the players go in the tunnel. And he was he was a very large man. I think he's since passed away, actually. But um, he was a very loud, very positive person. I, I met him the
2: night before, like the first game, or no just a few hours before the first game of, of Buzz's era, I think. And he was at the game, even though Seth was sitting out and everything. I met him at Alumni Hall, actually, of all places. and uh, I went over and introduced
0: myself to him at the went. end of one season. because, and, and I remember one game in particular, Tech was getting curb stomped by West Virginia. <laughs> and Seth's dad was the whole game. Keep going. You can do it, baby. You know, just positive stuff. And that's why Seth is the way he was. Right. Yeah. You know, so I always liked him a lot. It's hard for me. Mutts might be my third. Brian Matthews, maybe
2: my third. I don't know. My prediction is by the end of his career, Sean Padula will be in my top three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah
3: I am thinking yeah. the same.
1: Somebody you mentioned earlier in the podcast actually might be my third, Justin Bibbs. That's uh, what yeah,
3: I was gonna that's say. A good, he I, gets Bibbs overlooked.
1: Bibbs always had a smile on his face. Right. The
2: only time I ever saw Bibbs not smile after a post game was when UVA came in and like shellacked us by like thirty. And nobody saw it coming. It wasn't a surprise that they won, but they just destroyed Tech. That was the year when when Tech, like two weeks later, went to Charlottesville and beat them. Yes. And and like you're you're like oh my god how how did we just beat them in Charlottesville when they just beat us by 30 in Blacksburg? But after that game where UVA shell shocked Tech in Blacksburg, that's the only post game where I never saw Justin Bibbs smile. He all he was always such a positive attitude guy, always had a smile on his face. So, he, yeah, he's a guy I always really liked, too. Yeah.
1: When, when he was a freshman, he was playing on one of the national teams, like U-18, U-17, mm-hmm. and, and I was flying out of Dulles, and my dad just points over, he's like, that's Justin Bibbs. He was going yeah. to go play in a tournament somewhere, so I went and gave him a go-hokie. So I, I always <laughs> liked him for that, met him, he, he laughed, and uh, I think he took a picture with me
0: or something. And I believe yeah.
2: he was actually a James Johnson recruit
0: that we retain. I think you're right. Buzz retain. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, good move by Buzz.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's it.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Katie. That was fun. That that was uh, always like looking back at it. Virginia Tech basketball, uh, some fun plays. Yeah, we're, we're going to
0: have to take that one and and cut it out and, and do it as a separate video <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. That'll be fun. Definitely,
1: definitely. All right, well, that's going to wrap up men's basketball. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk the women's team, who is now 11-3 and in the ACC, continuing to move up in projections for the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about their success and also some other great developments with softball and wrestling over the weekend as well. Stay with us here on episode 224 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 224 of the tech sideline podcast presented by the Southeast regional training center. Before we hop into some women's basketball, I want to remind you if you're on our YouTube channel, please like comment and subscribe. Also be sure to turn on notifications. So, you know, when you go live, will Stewart still across the way, Katie Adams in the fourth chair. We have a new addition as Chris Coleman is subbed out. We've got David Cunningham in, uh, to talk some women's hoops, uh, couldn't have been much better for the women's basketball team uh, over the weekend. Played two ranked ranked opponents in Castle Coliseum, beat number eleven Georgia Tech on Thursday, then number twenty three UNC on Sunday. Now eleven and three, all alone in third place in the ACC. Uh, Kenny Brooks seems to have found his his groove here with this team, and they're currently on the five line, according to Charlie Cream.
4: Yeah, they're. They're good. Did you have a did you get to watch the games over the weekend? Did you watch the game I know Georgia Tech was Thursday. So North Carolina was Sunday. So I was, I was, was at Sunday. the gym
0: but I watched the live stats for the uh, North Carolina game. So it, was, it was a little nerve-wracking at the end waiting for the update. <laughs> yeah, to, it, you know
4: and Asia Shepard said it best after after the North Carolina game because Tech went down twenty-one to nine at the after the first quarter against North Carolina. And this is a North Carolina team that absolutely demolished them in Chapel Hill. So
0: let's do some math. That was seventy-three to forty-eight, right? Yeah. So at that point they had outscored Tech ninety-four to fifty-seven in five, in five quarters quarters. Of bas- basketball. And immediately, you know, and this is
4: something Kenny you know, Asia Shepherd said teams in the past, like Virginia Tech teams in the past they wouldn't have won that game. But this Virginia Tech team stuck together and basically put their feet in the ground and didn't budge and fought back. And by halftime, I think they trailed by two points. And then they ran away with it in the second half. Um, you know, North Carolina gave Tech some fits. But but then in the Georgia Tech game, Hokies absolutely dominated that one. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia Tech is really, really good. But the Hokies pretty much led and controlled the game. Um, you know, program best for ranked wins in a season. Um, I wrote a I actually published a column uh, this morning um, you know, just about the evolution of the program under Kenny Brooks and how, you know, Kenny Kenny joked in the press conference after Sunday's game about how, you know, when he got hired in twenty sixteen he thought he was Gino Ariamo because everybody he, he came here and everybody was like yeah you're going to win you're going to win you know mm-hmm. and he's like it's going to take some time and you know first 3 years weren't exactly pretty they went to the NI, WNIT every year but um but that fourth year they went they were going to go to the tournament and then covid happened and they've you know that's of course when they got Elizabeth Kitley and Kayla King in um You know, and it's crazy to think that Asia Shepard's been here almost the entire time. And you know, I know you'll talk about the record that she broke, but this team is really, really good. They got four games left, uh, and they really control their own destiny because they got number three Louisville on the road, number four NC State at home. So, this is a really good team, and people don't talk about its defense enough. They are they they have held nine, I think, nine of their fourteen opponents under forty percent shooting. Um, It. In ACC play, and they are really, really talented, um, and it's crazy to think what what five or six years does to a program.
0: Yeah.
1: And looking at those two wins, I think the main takeaway you have is that Georgia Amor is turning into a bona fide star for this team at point guard. I think heading into the season, you pointed Asia Shepard and Elizabeth Kitley, and they've been great all season. But Georgia Amor against Georgia Tech, uh, (laughs) she led the team in scoring in both games. And then that step back three pointer uh, to kind of put the game away against Georgia Tech. Number one play on SportsCenter that night.
0: Somebody about three podcasts ago talked her up. Who was that? That would be me. <laughs> I, no, al- but, well, I but, also talked her up, but, but you so, started so, the conversation. So that step back uh, three was the number one Number, number one sports player. Yeah, nice. she broke that girl's ankle. Bad,
4: <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, my, it's funny because my dad, my dad will text me, and he's texted me this a couple times or told me it. He's like, Georgia Amor, by the time she graduates, she's going to be like the women's basketball version of Justin Robinson where it's like she can make any pass on the court and she can – she can speed it up or slow it down she can kind of do whatever and, and she's that talented and it's crazy to think that she's only only a sophomore a sophomore
0: yeah. yeah
1: and Kenny Brooks in his post game I believe he was saying something like he used to say to Georgia who's the best point guard in the ACC yeah. and she kind of would like just I am Like, yeah. and now it seems like she actually is confident and I mean I, she may not be wrong I think she would be in the conversation yeah, considering I how think, she's been playing
4: I think the only other Player that's in that conversation for best point guard in the ACC is um, is Olivia Miles, the freshman from Notre Dame. who's she's pretty darn good. He's yeah. insane. But but Georgia leads the ACC in three point field goal percentage. You know, and Georgia's number two in assists behind Miles. And Georgia does so many of the little things. And it's honestly crazy to see how much she's improved. And when you've got her a point guard that you really defenses really have to keep an eye on. Then you've got a fifth-year veteran Asia Shepard who just broke the ACC's three-point career record, and then you've got an All-American Elizabeth Kitley inside. That doesn't even mention Kayla King, who's been phenomenal on the defensive end and is a sharpshooter, and Azana Baines inside. I mean, they've in the beginning of Kenny Brooks's tenure at Virginia Tech, he just didn't have talent he just didn't have really talented bodies he had some players had like some. taylor Emery was yeah great. and McGarrity. reagan McGarity. he and that first year of, of so it was my freshman year and it was asia shepherd's first year too and it was reagan McGarity, taylor emory asia shepherd and you know he had kendall brooks and um taylor uh, rachel camp i believe
1: trinity baptiste
4: came in yeah, his but, second year and I in say. And trinity baptiste and darren mabry came in and there was talent but there was never this much overflowing talent and this much off the bench too. Yeah. He brings Kiana trailer off the bench and she adds a different element to the game. So um, this team is, this team is really, really good. And I know there's a question we're going to get to later about, um, you know, where they'll stack up. in the tournament <clears throat> field. But I mean, so, they
0: have, they have a chance to host. So I'm always looking ahead I'm sorry to look ahead. We'll get back to present day. Um, who all is coming back? Um, how like Asia Shepard's not coming. It, it should back. be this, this everybody,
4: is, but Shepherd. everybody, but Asia Shepard. Everybody but Shepard. Yeah, and and you get there They have uh, a couple um, big big recruits coming in. Charlize Dunn is another Australian who's Charlie's or Charlie's. Uh, I I don't You'd have I, to ask her. She's in yeah. school. already. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But she's an. I was gonna say she's an early enrollee. They did exactly same what thing with Georgia. The same Amor. thing with Georgia Amor. So she's been here since the beginning. Uh, and so she basically gets the entire spring semester and then the summer under her belt. Yeah. And kind of gets to sit back and learn. They got Carly Wetzel, um Wenzel Wenzel um coming in. I think she's from San Ant- around the San Antonio area. Um but she's a a really good wing player. They've got some talent coming in and and the thing is you retain the core of um Elizabeth Kitley, Kayla King, Georgia Amor and you just add to it. Um I guess Kiana Trailer and Emily Lytle they might not come back. I think they're probably their eligibility is probably up, but yeah. um but the core of the team is is going to be intact and you know my guess is Kenny will go and pluck a couple of guys, people out of the transfer portal because that's what he's done and you know, he had really good success with it with Taja Cole and Lydia Rivers a couple of years ago, and he's had even more success with it with Kion Trail. And,
0: and it doesn't appear he's going to, you never know, but it doesn't appear he's going to lose anybody to the portal. No. Like when uh, when Dara Mabry left, that surprised me.
4: Yeah, and Dara, well, and so the thing was, Darin, you know, Dara Mabry.
0: She wanted to be a point guard. She
4: wanted to be the player, and Georgia Moore, Georgia Amore, was coming up right behind her. Yeah, And, and Dara's, I think, more of a, two guard than a, a one like she's she's not a bad ball handler but Georgia aimer is a better one and she went to notre dame and now she's pretty much the the lead ball handler yeah notre she's, dame. she's doing really well and she's there. doing very well yeah but i mean even I, I think the one that hurt maybe a little bit more is trinity baptiste who mm-hmm. yeah. went and played and won a national title with arizona last year like she you know she was a a really really talented player um you know, and left, but it also opens the door for a player like his Baines to come in. So mm. there, and it's crazy to look at it because there's been a lot of ins and outs with this ba- women's basketball team over the years. And, you know, I mean, there wasn't great success immediately. And that's what I wrote about in my column. Just, you know, Kenny, Kenny always talks about, you have to build
0: the program up and, you they didn't have any success when he got here. Well, one of the things he got over the hump on was, uh, and you guys have, over the years have followed this a lot more closely than I have, they would win a lot of games earlier in the year, get things going, and then they would have a stretch where they'd lose a lot of games over a six At the or beginning ACC stretch. play, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and
4: I think a lot of it is, is just having more talent and having more depth. Like those t- early teams with, Asia Shepard, Reagan McGarrity, Taylor Emery. Those three players were really good. You have to remember Asia Shepard was a freshman or a sophomore. But those teams were were good. The problem was they didn't have enough pieces around them. And you get into ACC play when you're playing at NC State or Louisville or back then Florida State was phenomenal. You're playing all these really, really good teams in the ACC and you can't hang for a full 40 minutes of basketball. And that, I think, was the problem. And you look at it this year – they have the depth. They have the talent not just to hang, but to overcome that. And they've had it now for the past, you know, two years-ish. Um, and I think that's really been the difference. And it helps when the, the players that you recruit stay and develop. And like in Elizabeth Kittley's case, you know,
0: she's probably the best player in the ACC. So, there's, you know, I, I go pretty far back with this stuff. They, I was – following the team when they made the Sweet 16 back in, I think it was uh, spring of 99. Um, and back then, women's basketball games were free. And Tech got to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. And so so let me, let me try to collect my thoughts here. There was a lot of interest in the team even before that because they finished the 97-98 season really well, won a game in the NCAA tournament. Had everybody coming back in '98, '99, beat UVA early back when UVA was good. They're an absolute disaster right now, but they were good <laughs> back then, and that kind of lit the lit the candle. Now back then they were, if I'm remembering my years correctly, they were still in the Atlantic Ten, and and Virginia Tech started that year something like I don't know 23 and 0 or some insane number like that. Uh, and again, my my memory's fuzzy on this, and I didn't prep because I didn't know where, that I was going to be trying to dredge these things out. But they had trouble with Xavier at the time. Xavier was the 2006-2007 NC State team beat Seth Greenberg's team three times. Xavier was just that team. No matter how good you were, they struggled with them. And so I remember that uh, I actually think they were something something ridiculous like 20 and one, and Xavier's the only team that had beaten them. Xavier comes in a castle, and the place was full. I'm talking 10,000 fans. And that happened that year. And then they got to host the NCAA tournament uh, at the end of that season. And I, 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 don't, I don't remember if the tickets cost anything. They probably did. But there was a second-round game against Auburn where Castle Coliseum had 10,000 fans. And you remember the UVA game Monday night? A women's game was like that. Yeah. And Auburn had a point guard who melted down because I guess she'd never been in front of a crowd that big. <laughs> so, so the reason I'm talking about all this stuff is that um, from, from that point on, uh, after those teams, they went to the Sweet 16, they had a star player named Yeva Kublina. Mm-hmm. They had some good players, they had some good teams. And there was a lot of interest in the women's program, thousands of fans of games, three, four, 5,000 fans a game. Then- um, Then they I'm, fell off. I'm, Bonnie Hendrickson left for, uh, for Kansas. And they hired Beth Duncanberger. Beth yeah. was followed by Dennis Wolf and the program cratered. And so you guys that go to the games and watch more of the games, I think at this point the women's basketball team is is getting a lot of interest from the tech fan base. I don't know that the fans are actually showing up in Castle. What are you guys seeing? I think it's kind of the same way. I think um,
4: I, I think it's tough because and this is something I wrote about earlier, you know, Tech hadn't had uh, over 500 record in like the nine years before Kenny Brooks arrived besides one season. And so nobody was used to success this is after great nineties years. And then they went to the NCAA tournament in about 2006. And so I think fans were kind of immediately when tech didn't win right away with Kenny, they were kind of, Okay, it's the same thing. Show me. Right. And and now they're winning, and I think it's taken tech fans a while to realize how good this team is and how different this team is. Um, and I agree. I, I don't think fans are necessarily coming out, and um, you know, there's probably three thousand people
0: at the women's game on on Sunday, which yeah. isn't bad. But now, now the interest level at one point was high. we have a separate women's basketball yeah. message board because the interest level at one point was so high. People are like break it off from the, from the regular basketball board and give them their own board. But by the end of the Hendrickson, excuse me, the uh, Duncan Berger and Wolf tenures, you'd go weeks without anybody posting on that board. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. You know,
4: Well, I remember, I remember when you hired me and you told me that the women's basketball board was the least active board yes. on the site. Yeah.
0: And now I'm going to have to create a softball board. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I think, you know, and,
4: and to your point about Castle, we saw what it can be like for a men's game. If this women's team can win some games and they're on the five line right now, if they could get up to the four line, I mean, here's the thing: if they beat Louisville and NC State, they're going to be a top four, three at, seed at in, the very in the tournament. Yeah, they're going to host a
1: regional, and so I, so
0: top four seeds in each in each region. regional host. host.
1: Yeah, yeah, so there would be a Blacksburg, I guess, sub regional. Uh, Tournament. And so they
4: would host essentially uh, three games. Three games,
1: yeah.
0: Now Bonnie Hendrickson's last year, they hosted a regional that included Penn State. I don't remember the other teams that were in. I think I think Tech beat Iowa in the first round, played Penn State in the second round, and attendance was about five or six thousand. Yeah, I would.
4: Um, well, and that's the thing. I would be really, really interested to see what attendance would be like for game now. A, w- a woman, if they hosted a regional and they were, like, rolling. I mean, because that's the thing. If NC State Senior Day and if they can beat NC State, you know, if if they're – because if they have a chance to win the ACC, they just need a little bit of help. And there could be a scenario where they're number two or three. I mean, they're going to – if they win, they're going to be top three in the ACC if they if they can finish out at least. Um so i would be really interested to see castle like i, I don't know how packed it would get i mean yeah. you, you probably know more than me since
0: you were you, you'd seen a women's tournament hosted here before but well i will say this that that was bonnie's last year here we didn't know it at the time um but i Is do, that five six i think so yeah um it was right around, the, so we'd been covering women's basketball from the time they went to the Sweet 16 until that year, Yeah. but I remember looking around Castle and and thinking, you know, the last time Tech hosted a regional, this place was full, and now it's not, and I thought it might be time to start dialing back the coverage, because we had limited resources, Yeah. you know, and Bonnie left, they hired Beth Duncanberger, and, and things it went started, downhill. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, right now the Hokies, currently sitting third all alone in the ACC, would be in line for a double bye in the ACC tournament, so wouldn't have to play until Friday. Tough remaining schedule, though. Syracuse on Thursday, they've only got four ACC wins, and they're against Pitt, UVA, and Clemson. So that that
4: should be... Syracuse should be a a win. And this is a a Syracuse team that, if you remember in the past, Syracuse in the past couple years has been really good. Yeah, And then... They, I don't want to say scandal, but that's pretty much what it was—a What they had, like yeah, with, team, with Coach uh, yeah. Quentin Hellsmen, or I forget how you pronounce his name, but, um, but so that Syracuse program is gone downhill, and this should be tomorrow night. This should be Deck walks in there and beats them by fifteen twenty.
1: Right. So that would be win number twelve in the ACC. But then it gets a little bit tougher. You have to go <laughs> to Louisville, and we've talked about how the men have had trouble beating Louisville. Women have to eight straight losses to the Cardinals. Have not beaten the Cardinals since 1995.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then then so, you know. <laughs> yeah. it's, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one and, on the road. And,
4: and here's and here's the thing, you know, if te- Tech is, it's not like in the past where it's Tech walking in there hoping for an upset. Like Louisville's good, but Tech is almost on. Tech is close to even playing field now. Just have, with, they, have they with played talent. this year? They have they not. Have not. They have so not. this is going to be the first meeting between Tech and Louisville this year, which is ironic because both men's and the women's team play Louisville late. late trying late. to kind of For the end first the drought. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think this is a game. I mean, Louisville's really, really good. But again, it's like, you know, if Tech comes out there and plays well, Tech has a really good chance to win. And that is... And that's the reality of it. Like you could put Tech in pretty much any scenario, this team, this year, and they could hold their own.
0: I think if so. Not, they're perfectly win. capable they're, of beating any team, in and the that's conference.
4: the thing, they're that they're that
1: good. So yeah. That's going to be the the premier game of the weekend on the women's side, Louisville, Virginia Tech, uh, on, Sunday. on Sunday. And that's on
0: Sunday, two o'clock, four o'clock, believe two. I believe it's two o'clock, yeah. probably on the ACC network, right? Yeah.
1: Yes, and then. Hokies return home for the final week of the regular season. Miami, not tomorrow, but next Thursday. They're kind of middle of the pack in the ACC. I want to say they're 7-7 seven and seven in yeah, conference play. And, and
4: Miami's a team that, again, it's one of those middle-of-the-pack teams that'll pose Tech a little bit of trouble, but Tech should, whoa, Tech should win.
1: Right. And then, again, Tech finishes up their season... Next Sunday, before heading to the ACC tournament, number four NC State at home. That was a tight game in Raleigh, where the Hokies stormed all the way back at the end, gave themselves a chance. Oh, Tech Tech just shots so poorly in that. And game.
4: and we talked about this. Tech didn't even play good basketball for the you know for maybe like fifteen of the forty minutes of basketball at least. And they barely lost. They lost by five to NC
0: State. Well, they, that, was, that was NC State coming off their big win over Louisville. Yeah. And, and I, I figured they were going to have a letdown, and Tech, unfortunately, had a letdown on the same, in the same game. But if Tech comes out hot, if
4: Tech plays basketball, I mean, and this is what we were just talking about, Tech can beat anybody. And, yeah. and this is a game where, you know, last four games of the season, you've got two opportunities against number one seeds in the bracket. Like, right now, NC State and Louisville are two of – ESPN's number one seed really? in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Wow, and Tech Tech got has two of them. In the final four games.
0: Well, uh, Tech is a is a tough matchup for NC State in particular. Both games last year, they should have won both of them last year, yes. and won one of them. And like you said, were competitive for unfortunately all but about fifteen minutes of the first game. So so it's it's interesting to hear that NC State's lining up to be a number one seed because it's just a team i'm comfortable with virginia tech playing
4: well because they they match up well yeah you know and it's the elisa Cunane elizabeth kitley battle, but you know last game kitley got the better of her yeah and kitley's improved a lot and Cunane's good but um you know this is these are are two really big matchups down the stretch here and you know, Virginia Tech is rolling. I mean, we talked about the men's team winning six straight games. The women's teams won four, and two of them were against ranked opponents. Yes. And um, yeah, it, it's a really fun team to watch when when they're playing well and they're playing together.
1: And this Hokies team, Syracuse, Miami, if they can take care of business of, in those, maybe get Louisville or NC State win a game in the tournament you'd have to think there's going to be nca tournament basketball in blacksburg uh come mid that would be
4: that would be really exciting just to host a uh, an nca tournament regional i mean I, I don't again i don't know what the fan turnout would be like but you know i know
0: the students would show up 100% yeah and it it would be an important step for the program oh yeah man
1: Going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here. Before we get out of here on episode 224, I want to talk about softball starting 5-0. Five wins over Power 5 teams over the weekend down in Leesburg, Florida. Uh, kind of what everybody expected. Keely Rochard still dominant, and the bats came through as well. Uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. 5-0 beating uh, three three ranked teams. three Big Ten teams and two SEC teams and three ranked teams. Yeah. Uh, great weekend for Pete DeMoor and company.
4: Yeah, and I think everybody had their people have had their doubts, you know, about the pitching staff because everybody knows how good Keely Rochard is. But Emma Emily came out and and won two games this weekend. And yep. um, I was talking with Hokie Softball Insider Chip Grub, Chip Grub, <laughs> um, who was down there, and uh, his recap from the weekend is up on techsideline.com and really really good insight um and he got some quotes from pete demore but um but emma lemley came out and and pitched well and if virginia tech is going to be a force this year tech emma lemley you know and that rest of the pitching staff needs to to come around and she's only a true freshman but she's got two games under two wins under her belt already keely Rochard's doing keely Rochard things
0: which is what everybody expected and You know, if they can keep it up, they're going to be really, really good this season. So there was an interesting thing going on with Lemley where she was apparently called for seven illegal pitches in one game. Yeah, and I I asked Chip to
4: explain it to me, and Chip mentioned that um,
0: it's like her foot coming off of... She pops off the rubber, I think. Yeah. Which is common for young pitchers to... Yeah,
4: apparently Chip was telling me that um, Oklahoma has a really, really good freshman pitcher, and Oklahoma's... Freshman pitcher got called for it a couple times too. Yeah, and uh, and so it's not just an ML Lemley thing.
0: Yeah, so you're you're supposed to drag your foot. Yeah, and they'll get that ironed out. But uh, the one of the guys that ho- uh, posts on the um, uh, Olympic Sports Board will probably create a softball <laughs> board here soon because there's a tremendous amount tremendous amount of interest. He said that uh, it's correctable. It's it's pretty easily correctable. Lemley will probably lose one or two miles per hour. You know, when you correct that, yeah. because the the, the hopper or whatever adds some yeah. velocity to it. Well, she went 10 and two thirds innings. So 32 outs. She struck out 23 of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I w- do. You have the stat off the top of your head of how many strikeouts the tech staff had and how many innings. I want to say 62 in, I, in 34 innings yeah, or something was, like that. Almost uh, two per inning. That's, yeah,
1: thir- thirty-four for Rochard in twenty innings, and twenty-three for Lemley in ten and two thirds. She did walk twelve because of some of the illegal uh, pitch stuff,
0: but twenty-three strikeouts in in ten in, innings. Unbelievable. That's yes. 10 so, yeah, so, so
4: sixty. So sixty-two strikeouts total in thirty-four
0: innings. Thirty-four innings. That's right. I thought that that was the number. So yeah, and that's so, a lot. And, and,
4: and here and here is the other thing, like. Tech's bats are are good and um it seemed like this is one of the things I was talking with Chip about last week. Um they've they've got the team has so much depth. There are like five or six players that could play in the infield. And they've got like four or five that could play in the outfield. They've just got a lot of experience and a lot of depth. And I think it's just finding the best hitting combination and you know, figuring out who's hot, who's not, I guess. But I mean, this team, there's obviously Duke and Florida State and some other really good teams in the ACC,
0: but this team is going to be – Cue my Clemson rant, <laughs> you know. But just, this, just open the checkbook well, you know and you suddenly know, you have a good softball team. Well,
4: you know, what's funny is the Clemson pitcher, Valerie Cagle, I believe, she's I, – I knew her growing up. She's from, like, my area. But I went to a – she was private school okay. growing up. But, um, but no, I mean, Clemson is is really good. Duke is really good. Peyton Saint George played travel softball with uh, Evan Hughes' sister. Right. Um, so there are a lot of really good teams in the ACC. But Virginia Tech, it's can they be consistent? And when you've got Keely Rochard, now you've got another two number two option behind her. I mean that that looks really good for your season.
1: Yeah, I think last year it was kind of like okay, Rochard's pitching. Now you've got a double <laughs> header. Who's pitching in the next one? It could, yeah. and not that the other pitchers in the rotation were bad, but it was just, you didn't feel as confident. It feels like Lemley could be a young Rochard coming up through the ranks as well. Yeah,
4: well, and, and Osborne and uh, Rosenberry are the two other pitchers, and they right. were both here last year, and they've gotten better. And I was talking to Chip, and I said, it might be one of these things where, like, you play, like, a Longwood midweek, and you've got, like, two, you got a doubleheader against them. You don't even have to touch Keeley. You right. just let her, Lemley yeah, go one time. and then and let the other two, th- you know, throw the other one. And if you can do that, you're saving arms. You know, statistics might not be as high for Keeley, but you're
1: saving arms and everybody's going to be well-rested. And you mentioned the bats, Kelsey Bennett, uh, one of the best players in the country, uh, ranked preseason 8 of 13 over the weekend. That's uh, hitting 615. Not easy to do. Uh, Cameron Fagan had nine hits. Meredith Slaw pinch hit grand slam against Kentucky. So it's not all pitching for this team. Even though they didn't score more than six runs in a game this, uh, this week against really good competition, bats came through as well. Big weekend coming up this weekend. Uh, some games again, two games against Evansville and a game against Middle Tennessee State that they should take care of business. But Alabama, two games against number two Alabama in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Feels like this is where the Hokies can kind of push themselves into that next echelon, that next tier of college softball if they can steal one of those.
4: Yeah. Well, and Alabama, um, they got Montana Fouts and I forget the name of their, their second pitcher, but both of them are really insane pitchers. And so it's basically gonna be a pitching
1: duel and wouldn't be surprised if it's like a one nothing game. Yeah, I mean
4: like I, I think it'll be very low scoring. I think it'll be uh kind of who who what pitcher can can outsmart the other team, you know, and we've seen Keeley get tested, but I think this is a really big test for Virginia Tech's batters. Um you know, you're playing some one of the couple of the top pitchers in the country. Hmm. Can you keep up that consistency? Can Kelsey Bennett keep up that consistency? Because the Tech can show it now, you imagine what a win against Alabama is going to do for your resume.
0: <laughs> so it's interesting. It's uh, it's on SEC Network Plus. Unfortunately, not the actual SEC Network. Um, looking at the uh, schedule on Hokie Sports, it looks like it's only one game. But you guys are saying it's well, there's two, games. two. So there's
4: a first game at the beginning, and then they play.
0: Middle Tennessee, Evansville, then Alabama. Yeah, okay. so they play.
4: It's not <laughs> – that would be bad if it was back-to-back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought they
0: were going going down there just by themselves to play it. No, so, no, it's so like they, a tournament. Yeah, I believe
1: it's like the Crimson Tide Classic or something, something like, like that. that. So uh, five games this weekend it's again. The,
0: it's called the Eastern bama Bash. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, they got sponsored so they changed the name of it
1: <laughs> so yeah five games again this weekend for softball it feels like I mean you never want to look past an opponent which I'm sure they're not over uh, in the softball program but Evansville and Middle Tennessee State should be wins again getting one against Alabama would be huge for this this team they're up in that Pac-12 Washington uh, and Alabama yeah, are pretty yeah. much the top two and, and Tex
0: ranked 8th eighth in, eighth in the country this week yes. they yeah. start at 11th. They're, rank, they're ranked 8th now because of what they did last weekend and like if you split with Alabama, you might actually move up. Yes. you know. I
1: think you if you go four and one this weekend, that's a great weekend. Yeah. Well,
4: and and in the past, um, if it, if this was last year's team, Virginia Tech, Keely Rashard would have had to pitch the entire weekend, pretty much, or she would have had to pitch she would have pitched both Alabama games by herself, and then she, depending on how Tech was doing in the other games, she might have to come in and help out. Yeah. Now you can kind of let Keely rest a little. Let Emma Emily take care of some of that stuff and then uh, use Osborne and Rosenberry, um, you know, where needed. And if you need Keely, you can. But just that pitching depth, I, I think, really takes Tech to another level. Yeah.
1: Softball's second weekend of the season this weekend. Baseball opens up this weekend as well. Uh, three games set against UNC Asheville at English Field. I want to say 2 p.m. on Friday, 2 on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. You're,
4: uh, you're going to be on the radio, right? I will
1: be, since Evan's uh, doing uh, women's basketball. Evan's I'll be, all grown up. I'll be on the call uh, on the Virginia Tech Sports
0: Network for baseball this weekend. Nice. Uh, so if I tune in a 105.3 The Bear, I'm going to hear you. It I might be WRAD. It, um, is it 100.7? 100, 100, yeah, yeah.
4: I think, that, that's yeah, yeah, the women's basketball station. I should
1: know that. Uh, <laughs> 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 anyway, yes, I'll be on the call for those uh, tech trying to open up their season on a good note. Before we get out of here, we are presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Got to talk about wrestling. 3-0 and now in dual meets that they've actually played. Uh Winning against UNC number twenty three this weekend, twenty three to eleven, uh, and now a big weekend coming up on the road against UVA on Friday, and then making up that NC State meet. I don't believe it counts for ACC. It's not standing, a conference game. Yeah, it's not, but a conference. at least they're going to get a chance to wrestle that one. So a big weekend. for I the I feel like that, that's for
4: pride. You know, like
0: there's a little trash talk. There's gonna online. be a chip oh, on yeah. the shoulder, I think, yeah. for for this, yeah, spe-
4: uh, especially. I think the backstory there is like NC state didn't want to res- didn't want like adjust the <laughs> adu- move their schedule around yeah. to find time to play tech and then after they got the for so tech had to take the forfeit and and then, and then now state. it's like oh, we'll play you again and so but i mean uh, did you go to the match on on Friday? i did not were you there i was not I was there and team. it was I, a i watched most of it it was a good crowd it, it yeah. was a it was a really good crowd it was senior day of course um you know, tech dominated
1: for the most part. Um I mean Bryce Andonian has been great this Bryce Andonian has been good. I
4: mean Sam Latona won. Um Corbin Myers, great as always. You know, it's just it was his senior day and he, he came out and absolutely dominated Makkay Lewis,
1: exactly what you would expect from former national champion. You know, beating a top ten opponent as well for UNC. Um, you
4: know, Dakota Dakota Howard had a huge victory. Um, and it's it's so fun watching Dakota Howard wrestle, man. The junkyard
0: dog. <laughs> you talk about your favorite athletes of all time, right? <laughs> yeah, and That it, guy.
4: He he just goes, and it's funny because I'm sitting with uh, one of my friends who's a former wrestler. Um, he wrestled a lot in high school, and he was like, "Man, you know some of the things Dakota does. It's like that is not
0: advised in wrestling, but because it's Dakota Howard, everybody just lets him go at it. <laughs> <laughs> he he is what he is, you know. He he is. Uh, At times technically unsound, but the energy he brings, you know, I I, I do not remember when this was, but, uh, I think it was the, the night or the day that Makai Lewis got hurt last year. Um, Dakota wrestled right after him and completely demolished the guy he was wrestling. It was against Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. he, he, uh, it was even at first and then Dakota got a takedown and let him up and got a takedown and let him up and just boom, boom, boom over (laughs) and over and over and then ran off to go check on Makai. Yeah. so if if you watch these threads on Twitter where uh, the other team will announce a basketball score and then all the gifts and things pile in, you will see a picture in there. If you're not familiar with Virginia Tech wrestling, occasionally somebody, somebody will drop a picture in there. Of I saw a, it in the UVA one. It's, it's clearly one of the roster headshots and the guy's going. And that's Dakota, Dakota Howard with, with, with glasses. Yeah. And it's Dakota Howard, man. You got to love that guy. Yeah. And, and just a, a big weekend.
4: I think – um i don't, i don't remember exactly who lost for t- i know hunter Bolin lost in and did, a, that right. went down to i don 't know what they call it in wrestling extra period or uh, it was like sudden, Sut- sudden, Sut- sudden, sudden victory, victory. victory right. yeah um but i mean across the board nathan Trakler had a big win yeah. i mean and dakota howards dakota howard's win um pretty much sealed the the match yeah. um so big win for tech they've won three in a row and they've yeah. won Two of them are against ranked opponents against Pitt in North Carolina, so they're rolling.
1: Well, and Virginia Tech, I don't believe it's possible for them to win the dual meet title in the ACC because of the forfeit, but a chance this weekend to beat all five of the ACC other ACC wrestling programs if they can beat Virginia. I've, I've, I've got to make NC sure to. State.
0: I got to watch that NC State. I mean it. It. It's it can, I think it's at six o'clock. It, it can't, wrestling can't really get chippy like basketball can, and football can get chippy with a lot of shoving and stuff. But you can wrestling just hit each it, other. Wrestling, wrestling by its nature is physical. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a chippy sport from start to finish. But it'll be interesting to see if there's any yelling back and forth between the the corners, so to speak, and stuff like that.
1: And we we talked about how this was such a great weekend for Virginia Tech athletics. A chance for the next one to be even better. Uh, wrestling. Facing NC State on Sunday, as is women's basketball, both premier opponents at Louisville. At, at oh, excuse me, at Louisville. yes. Yeah, so premier opponents on Sunday for those teams. Hokies men's basketball facing uh, North Carolina on Saturday. Softball, softball facing number two Alabama, uh, and baseball starting this weekend as well has a chance to maybe even one up the weekend before if the Hokies can take care of business. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up before we get out of here. Let's get one uh, question from the YouTube chat, Katie. If there's any good ones in there today.
3: Yeah, I'll do one question. I have one funny note first. Um, earlier, Will, you were talking about how we needed some more eye candy behind Chris. So Jeff Holland says, I want an always be redshirting neon flashing sign. So the <laughs>
4: yeah, he, he tweeted the graphic out on Twitter. It has oh, like no a always way. be he like edited
0: it, so it has an always be redshirting sign right up here. I was wondering if we, we if we need a neon sign behind Chris and always I be shirting would be hysterical. And we You know those things aren't cheap. We'd have to add to uh, we'd have to add to Malcolm's
1: duties there, uh, like lighting it up anytime he mentions red shirting, like an alarm goes
0: off or something like. that. We need to put confetti in the ceiling, <laughs> and, and right, an alarm goes off and confetti drops whenever Chris says the word red shirt. No, Chris. No, yeah,
4: Chris said he did not mention it today, yeah. but we did now.
3: Um, all right, so the one question I will ask from Brent T. He says, besides Aluma and Mutz, which player is key for Virginia Tech to be successful in the final stretch of the season? Can Storm continue his steady play, or will Maddox slash Padula be the spark?
4: I might say Kator. Couture. C- yeah. C- Couture's defense is is really, really important. Oof, I mean, we've incredible. talked about it. <laughs> like, just just watching Kator play defense, and he got called for a little a couple hand check fouls. Against Virginia, but again, it, that's the first time it, it's really that's really happened all season. Um, I, I think, I think depending on who Tech is playing, the pace, controlling the pace, Murphy's important just because he's the the guy that's gonna have his, the ball in his hands the most. But I think Couture is one of the more crucial players on this team.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to do it by committee, but one of the um, one of the things that's been big during the winning streak is the bench. The bench is getting more minutes, scoring more points, playing better. Um, David Kassan has been really good. So has Darius Maddox.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll even go with someone I think we're forgetting, Nahima Lean. I think you look back at the NCAA tournament game last year, he was the reason the Hokies even got that to overtime, put up 30 points in that game. I think it was 28. 28, almost 30. Uh, Yeah, and
4: he drew a lot of fouls in in Saturday's game. Got to the free throw line a lot.
1: I think if if Nahima Lean can be his usual self and you're getting shooting from Couture – and Storm Murphy, and you got Mutz and Luma in the paint. I think that's when the Hokies are at their best, is when Aline's shooting more four of seven instead of two of ten, it, taking less shots but higher quality ones.
0: How about
4: as well. that possession with uh, three blocks and four or five seconds? <laughs> it,
0: it, it was four seconds, um, probably five, actually. Keve blocked the first shot with five seconds on the shot clock and it bounced out of bounds of four seconds. And then Kevin blocked another one. And then Justin Mutz blocked board. another
4: <laughs> And then on the next possession, Sean Padula blocked home. Oh
0: yes. Yeah. So, so my random thought was that reminds me of when, uh, Cody, uh, uh, Chris, who was the, who was the, he recovered three fumbles in like four possessions. Cody Grimm, um, <laughs> football game, uh, tech played NC state. I don't know when this was, it was, it was probably the, probably the 2010 game. And Cody Grimm recovered three fumbles in n c state's first four possessions wow uh, and it, it it just this random stuff you know, three yeah. block shots in five seconds you wow. don't see that a lot,
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, what a week in Castle Coliseum!
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I believe eight Hokie Sports put out a graphic that uh, since February started, uh, 10 Tech 0. is ten and O inside Castle Coliseum in with wrestling, sports. women's yeah. basketball, and men's basketball. So impressive! The Hokies hoping to keep that going. Uh, only game in Castle Coliseum this weekend, though, is Tech UNC. So okay. Tech trying to get to eleven and O. And 0 I believe it's sold out. It is. Oh, and, it is. Yeah, we were talking about StubHub prices. Uh, those are probably just going to keep going up. Uh, as
0: we get closer to the so game, so get there and drown out however many UNC fans are there.
1: Lots, of, lots to watch on Saturday. I believe one of the Alabama games for Softballs on Saturday. You've got baseball on Saturday, and then you've got uh, four o'clock UNC inside Castle Coliseum. So it should be another fun weekend for Tech sports. Thank you, Katie, for the question in the YouTube chat. Before we get out of here, David, what do we got coming up on Tech sideline over the next few days? I
4: believe Chris has a basketball column coming out today. Uh, today or tomorrow um, I put up a women's basketball column this morning um, I think Will and I are going to dive into some of the nitty-gritties of men's basketball we talked about the struggles in the last five minutes earlier in the season I'm, I'm going to go do some more research and talk about how good they've been in the last yeah. five minutes as well of late. In the
0: UVA game in Charlottesville it was 52 to 48 Hokies with about three minutes left in Blacksburg, it was 52-48 to 48 Hokies with about three minutes they left. They
1: mentioned that on the broadcast. And what and happened after
0: that was completely different.
1: Yeah, yeah Dan Schulman said Mutts was standing at the free throw line 52-48, and he said this is the exact score, and the Hokies did not score again in the game. So.
4: Yeah. At, yeah, UVA, yeah. Um, obviously softball this weekend. I believe Chip Grubb's going to be there. So uh, that's, that's a very Chip Grub thing to do. Yeah. Uh, we've got um, baseball coming up. I believe tomorrow morning or this afternoon or tomorrow morning Chris Hirons is going to have a season preview for baseball um and so yeah a lot of basketball coverage I'm sure there's going to be Friday Q&A and, and stuff as usual we got Tech Talk live we got wrestling there's Jack, a lot Jack
1: Brisendine going to be busy this weekend There's a
4: lot going on it's, it's a good time, time to subscribe to tech timeline
1: yeah right. exactly That's first month is free with a monthly subscription still i want to say
0: and if you like the podcast you should subscribe to the website because how do you think we fund all this yeah exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe to the youtube channel as well again put notifications on we've heard that it's tough to know when we're going live but if you put notifications on you're always going to get one on your phone or to your email so uh, you should always know when we're going getting ready for a podcast yeah. I think that's going to wrap it up. Anybody got anything else here? I do not. All right. That'll do it here on episode 224 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Want to thank you all for listening and watching. Thank everybody on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com. You can find him on Twitter at WillStewartTSL. David filling in on the second half. Managing editor for TechSideline.com at the Real D Kuna on Twitter. We had Chris Coleman on set, the lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline in the first half of the show. Find him at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. Katie Adams did a great job in the fourth chair. Love the uh, the favorite basketball players of all time. Question. Make sure to check that out if you missed it. You can find her at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart, as always, phenomenal behind the scenes, and I'm your host, Jay Kleiman. Signing off. Enjoy another great weekend of Hokie Sports. Fans, we'll see you next time.